0: You to the relationship factor where we have authentic conversations about sex and relationships, moving you from problem to solution, from functional to exceptional relationships. I'm your host Kingsley moyo a relationship and sex therapist. And today, my guest is Sheila Annan. Sheila is a registered provisional psychologist practicing here in the city of Edmonton. And um, she's passionate about helping people get to those aha moments. In our conversation today, we're talking about trauma bonding. What it is, what it's not. And how you actually get out of a relationship or realize a better space when you are actually in a relationship that is characterized by Trauma Bonding. Join me for this conversation. Trauma is a, is, a, is rather an interesting thing. Is, um, Well, uh, maybe not interesting because we don't really talk often about trauma. And the reality is we don't even talk about it in the context of relationships. We may talk about it in other places, car accidents, abuse, but we don't really talk about it just as a general thing in relationship. And today we're just going to be digging deeper into Trauma. Trauma bonding, rather. Like, what is trauma? Sheila, talk to me. Let's just begin by defining trauma. What is trauma? I know there's multiple definitions out there. What is trauma? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I can honestly start by defining um, using the American Psychological Association definition, which defines trauma as a traumatic event. Um, that threatens injury, death, or physical integrity of self or others and also causes horror, terror, or helplessness at what, the time it occurs. Um, but from my experience, honestly, I best define trauma as an experience that really overwhelms a person. It's an experience that activates a person's stress response. It makes a person feel as if they are in danger, they can't mm. get out of, they feel trapped, and it really changed, changes their conception and worldview after it happens. And that's what makes it traumatic.
0: So if we're talking about something that activates activates your stress levels, mm-hmm. which means a lot of things can be trauma Then
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think the interesting thing these days is a lot of people don't even know when things are traumatic. We like to even when you think about um, the DSM, which is a um, diagnostic and statistical manual of uh, disorders they only define trauma in the ptsd realm of just events but there's so many little traumas there's attachment trauma there's health trauma there's single event traumas there's complex trauma there's trauma due to loss there's so many types
0: so if we just say trauma we're missing a whole lot of things because there's there's multiple layers of kinds of traumas Mm -hmm. so then it means I have experienced trauma in my life. Everybody's experienced trauma in their life. We just don't know it that we've experienced trauma.
1: Absolutely, yeah, trauma. And again, I don't know the exact stats, but I trauma can happen as early as a baby in the womb. And a baby in the
0: womb, okay? Yes,
1: yeah. That's that's so, early. Yeah, because when you think about even the health things that can happen when a baby is in the womb, for the mother's experience, yeah. for the um anything that even if a mother a mother experiencing trauma of their own or um, anxiety or depression can be traumatic for a baby and their development. So apart from also like fetal alcohol syndrome or whatever else that shows up when a mother's pregnant.
0: So it's really true when they talk about trauma being intergenerational because the baby starts experiencing in the womb mm-hmm. and from there onwards it continues on as an early child. This This can be significant when we start talking about relationship. Now, how do you spot somebody who has trauma? What are the, some of the things that you would see in the context of a relationship because of of trauma? What does it look like?
1: That it's a hard thing to define, but I think, and it, I think it's very sometimes it's very subtle, and sometimes it's very apparent. Um, some of the biggest biggest um, signs of trauma is when boundaries when people have dysfunctional or inappropriate boundaries Mm. um they would rather acknowledge a person's needs over their own or they try to impose their needs over other people that is i think a very good sign of someone that has experienced trauma um but then it can show up very simply like things about like emotion regulation issues like a person that can't handle their anger can't handle their stress can't handle their anxiety um people that get easily overwhelmed over the smallest things Um, in the relationship, a person that automatically makes assumptions about their partner easily.
0: Um, Mm -hmm. So, so, so So when I'm in a relationship with somebody and I start seeing all of these things, the person is just not acting up. It's because of trauma that perhaps they've experienced in their life. And that changes the dynamics because if I'm looking at a person and thinking they're acting up, they're just, they're just crazy, They just what's wrong with them, they just, they just need to chill, then it, it means we drift apart. But if I'm looking at them and say, hey, what's happening? What's their backstory? What happened to them? Then it changes on how a couple actually bonds and gets to be together.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think the patience and empathy for each other is actually a huge thing in relationships because you start to see your person as human. And human mm-hmm. who is helpless, who needs support, who needs patience and kindness in their times when they're not the, their best selves. And so absolutely, I do think that um, most things can be trickled down to trauma. You can see the trauma in your partner if you look hard enough.
0: Mm. Now, you mentioned something that's interesting. I think this is a common thing that happens in many relationship boundaries. I wouldn't have thought of um, as a person not being able to set boundaries in a healthy way as something that's related to trauma. Uh, I just would have thought that maybe they're just letting people walk all over them. Or, or that's an interesting thing to look at boundaries as being related to trauma. If you look good enough, you may be able to see trauma that's in there. Now, mm-hmm. tell me something. Boundaries. How does a person actually get to set healthy boundaries, keeping in mind trauma? We're just talking about setting healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. in a relationship.
1: Absolutely. I think it comes down to a lot of self-reflection and building insight. Because I think most people, we're reactionary in a situation or in a conversation in any kind of interaction, we react to what is being said. But most times that reaction is not just coming out of thin air. It's coming as a response to our trauma. And so most of our, re- um, our reactions and most of the boundaries we set are actually very much survival techniques. We've developed mm-hmm. them over our course of our lives to survive based on even the things, like I'm saying, trauma that we've experienced. Because that trauma, that traumatic experience that we had made us feel like the world was unsafe, made us feel mm. like people can't be trusted, made us feel as if we can't trust ourselves. And so in any moment, anything that we do is for the intention of survival. And so a person may, like, we say like, yeah, have passive boundaries for one thing or have aggressive boundaries for another, where they're trying so hard to make sure that they're never in a vulnerable position again. And almost as a response mm. to the trauma mm. um and so whether it's a passive person that's just willing to let their partner have everything that they want or willing to let their partner do whatever that they need is with the intention of survival knowing that they would not be threatened their survival would not be threatened again whether it's like the partner will leave them or the partner will harm them or whatever it right. may be the opposite end to a partner that's very aggressive and or has aggressive boundaries it can look as if that person and a survival technique wants to be able to make sure like i said they're not in a vulnerable position so wants to impose their needs and boundaries and never wants to be looked as weak again as a traumatic response and so a person going about setting boundaries has to start with insight and self-reflection to know why and what we're trying to survive from and then mm-hmm. in being able to go to it we want to be able to acknowledge the most healthy boundaries we say is our assertive boundaries where you're not saying that you, your needs, or your partner's needs matter more, but that both of your partner's need, both you and your partner's needs, both matter to the same extent, that you're being fair, that you're being considerate, that you're being empathetic. And so it's never assertive boundaries, I always say has to have the right amount of empathy and the right amount of directedness when being communicated, because we want to make sure we acknowledge that your needs matter just as much as mine in this moment.
0: So it's an issue of uh, fairness, being Mm -hmm. able to give and take. And the other word that you mentioned that kind of stuck out for me was the word of this is an issue of safety. When we're Mm -hmm. talking trauma, we're talking an issue of safety. Mm -hmm. So I will do anything in my power in order to make sure that I am safe. Mm -hmm. And that action, the actions that I'm doing are informed by the trauma that I Mm experienced. So somebody may be in a relationship, love somebody, head over heels. But their behavior may be indicative of somebody who seems like they don't care or they are mean. Mm-hmm. It's just the trauma. So this takes a lot of patience in a couple. Like, a, like your Absolutely. partner needs to be patient with the other person. And that means there needs to be a lot of communication.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's gonna be a hard one for couples. Because if you've had trauma before, if I let you in into my life and I tell you all these things about my past, are you gonna hurt me mm-hmm. or Are you going to make space for me and keep me safe?
1: Absolutely. That's a
0: dilemma to experience there.
1: Yeah. It's a very vulnerable position to be in. And the only, you know, um, saving grace of it is very much that if you're with the right partner, that vulnerability would be received in a healthy way.
0: Right, right. And we're talking trauma bonding. There's this different ideas of trauma bonding out there. What is trauma bonding? Trauma bonding, what is that?
1: Yeah, I think in some way there's a biological sense that can describe trauma bonding, but then there's also the stereotypical one that we hear often, which is Stockholm syndrome. And so I want to describe both in some ways where trauma bonding, I think, shows like the biological sense of it is that humans, we thrive on connection. We right. really much thrive on connection on the like objective level, but also in within our genes and our biology and so when we're in a traumatic event or in a stressful event we're producing a lot of cortisol in our body the mm-hmm. hormone of cortisol and in that moment that is the thing that makes us overwhelmed overwhelms our nervous system and causes traumatic symptoms but the antidote which is something called oxytocin, which is another hormone is very is the thing that is one of the major things that regulates or decreases cortisol levels in the body okay. and, and oxytocin oxytocin is <laughs>
0: that's a mouthful word eh <laughs> yeah
1: uh, um oxy- oxytocin sorry I was saying it one more time
0: um, <laughs> a- anybody who's listening go google it up but we got it right here <laughs> yeah
1: uh, oxytocin is something that is actually created when we spend and bond time Spend time with people and bond with people, and so when a b- mother is bonding with a baby, it's they're creating a lot of oxytocin in the baby, and that's what cause allows them to attach and bond well. When we're with in partnership, that's also what we're creating. When we're enjoying the time with our partner, our body's creating a lot of oxytocin, which is making us feel good, feel safe, feel heard, and that reduces our cortisol cortisol levels. And so in that way, we bond. We're able to bond because our trauma, the trauma that's happened to us, it's in some way we're able to bond. Um, because it is helpful for our survival. We are getting, we are needing it, and it's it helps us stay closer to that person. So in some way they always say, like even a person has, that's exper- experienced a trauma recently, the biggest thing they need in that moment is connection. That's mm-hmm. really going to help them reduce their chances and the extent of their PTSD going forward, because they're going to have oxytocin being produced in their body. That's gonna reduce the the negative consequences of trauma. And so people really do crave and need connection when they're experiencing a trauma or have experienced a trauma. Um, On the other side of things, there's Stockholm Syndrome, where Mm -hmm. that is more of an unhealthy sense of bonding, where a person, a victim, more than likely, bonds with their abuser. And because it's almost like they're receiving the same, the stress and their... um, the relaxation or like the cortisol and the oxytocin levels and so many different, um, back and forth on the other side of things, we have Stockholm syndrome, which is more of a dysfunctional way of bonding. And normally we see this in abusive relationships where a victim bonds with their abuser. And within that system, that relationship system, it's a roller coaster filled with punishment and intermittent re- reinforcement or reward. Oh, yeah. And so in most times when a person is experiencing this, you know, oscillating wave their body is going through turmoil where there's high levels of stress hormone being created the cortisol at some point but also paired with the dopamine and oxytocin that gives them a sense of affection as reward so it becomes this mess of emotions that a person cannot really sort out and so they bond and they think that they empathize they start to empathize with their abuser and become connected Somewhere,
0: so it's more like a bait and switch. There is mm-hmm. enough oxytocin levels that are being created, mm-hmm. um, just enough for them to think that okay, there's hope. There's mm-hmm. hope if I keep staying, I can keep getting this. And because we are created for connection, and the oxytocin is one that makes us feel like okay, I'm in a safe place, mm-hmm. I'm good now. So, in that trauma, Stockholm syndrome relationship or experience, there is enough of that being created, given the illusion that this relationship. Is okay. So this may look like um, a spouse or partner who beats up their partner, mm-hmm. and then the following day, they take him out for dinner. Mm-hmm. So there's an illusion that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting connection. At least they love me. They take me out for dinner. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, they were being beaten, or it may come out in the sense, I'm guessing here, that uh, verbal abuse, mm-hmm. uh, say some negative words and curse them out and do all these kind of things. And then afterwards, the person comes back with flowers and says, hey, I love you. Um, You're beautiful. And that kind of gives them that oxytocin levels to to increase. So it's a roller coaster. And they think that this relationship is okay. Mm -hmm. And then they stick in the relationship.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're almost holding on to the next moment of reinforcement, next moment of kindness, next moment of affection, because it feels good when they have it.
0: And this becomes difficult, I'm assuming as well, that when somebody says, why don't you just leave that relationship? Mm -hmm. They can't leave because they're getting the bonding Mm -hmm. at the same time with the unhealthy stuff coming at the same time. So there isn't one that's more than the other to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to leave. The Mm -hmm. balance is just, and I would imagine this also relates to childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. If a person didn't get enough attachment bonding or being attended to as a child, Mm -hmm. um, their idea of normal is already skewed. Now they get into this adult relationship. So what they know is what was messed up and they get in the same thing. That's like, okay, this should be okay.
1: Absolutely, and that describes something which, I mean, a lot of people have heard of now, which is the idea of attachment trauma and attachment theory in the sense that we replicate or we try to mirror the relationships we have with our early childhood caregivers later in life with our partners. And so the things that feel familiar is what we go to, unfortunately. And so a person may experience a relationship that is abusive in so many terms, whether it's mental, emotional, um, physical, neglect, sexual, any kind spiritual. of trauma. Spiritual, absolutely. And they may feel as if that is normal. That is okay, this is what I'm used to. Almost anything else, honestly, if a person that has experienced one thing but tries to be in a relationship with someone that is very opposite, they have a really hard time with it yeah. because they do it doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel familiar. They question it. They question a person's intention. How can a person love me this way? What does a person need from me? Whatever it may be. And so normally they connect or try to... Um, they get with partners that feel familiar to what they've experienced in the relationships they've had with their parents,
0: and or those parents are sometimes parents. the the relationship that are abusive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> it, 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 it's interesting because um, um, when you when you sometimes have conversation and listen to people talk in in relationships whereby the the guy or the girl is doing everything they can, they are so loving and so kind, and yet the other partner. Doesn't seem to get that, and like, what is he up to, or, or what is she up to? Are uh, they trying to get me to do this, and they don't trust the person? That relationship, or how they show up in that relationship, is being informed by their past trauma,
1: mm-hmm. their attachment trauma, absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. So a couple is experiencing this. Ah, uh, they've been dating, or they're married, and this has been their roller coaster, and um. When do you stay or when do you leave? Like, when do you say, hey, you know what, I got to call it quits. This -hmm. is not salvageable. Or when do you say, hey, you know what, I'm identifying this and my partner. Um, When do you stay? When do you leave?
1: I think that's a hard question. And I think a lot of people would agree with me that it's very hard to leave a partner once you're with them, especially because there's so many you try to find the good. You try to find the things that make it worth it to stay. Um, so it's not, I, I think it's not an easy answer, but one thing that I absolutely encourage people to recognize is you should not need someone. You should want someone. Hmm. And so a person, another human being, cannot even that cliche term of complete you, a person cannot complete That's you, messed up, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> a, person, a person should add to you. They should add to your life. And so if if your person is tr- starting to recognize or starting to reflect on, am I staying with this partner because I need them? Or am I staying with this partner because I want them? That can be a good distinguish knowing should I leave this relationship? Because if you start needing partner, whether it's because financially you cannot survive without them, um, whether it's because you don't think you can do better, whether it's because you... You feel like you have. um, They know everything about you, and they're threats to your livelihood. That is not okay. That is not a healthy relationship. You should want to be a partner and know that you can be with or without your partner and be okay. That you as a person can be whole. That you as a person are enough. If you do not know that and can't feel that in your relationship, it's probably a sign Mm -hmm. that you're not in a good one. That
0: that need to look into that. Mm -hmm. um, I like how you put it. You should not need a person. You should want to be with the person. Mm-hmm. Um, it creates some dependency if mm-hmm. you need a person. Mm-hmm. You can't function on your own. I mean, of course, we're not talking about uh, people that are parents that need each other to be able to, 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 to provide care and support for their children. But to some certain extent, there is a level of where you can be able to draw the line in terms of need. But that's loaded because many of the relationships that you would see around are based on need.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we've normalized needing people to be in in our lives in order for our lives to be okay. Mm-hmm. And when the heartbreak happens, it feels like the world is gonna crash. <laughs> I need exactly. them back in my life. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, so what do we begin to do the healing, uh, either individually as a couple? What do we What do we start? What does that look like?
1: I would say. And I'm reiterating what I said before. It has to start individually. A person has to do the work of themselves and really understand themselves. Because even if you're wanting to do something like communicate boundaries, you need to know what your boundaries are. You need to know where they come from, what they're, what they, the function they serve in relation to your trauma. So building knowledge and insight on oneself is huge in like the success of a relationship. And so I definitely would always say start A person doing their own self-reflection, being self-aware is huge, whether they do it on their own or with the help of someone, a therapist or counseling, whatever it may be. Um, And then within a relationship, again, I think recognizing if the relationship is healthy. And like we said, that is hard to do. And people are tending to bond or get together because of needs. And so being able to recognize is a long journey to being to healing. But if a person can find that and find that kind of in sense of um, self-love or uh, a good sense of self-perception, that can be very healing and can be good for a relationship. And a relationship that is also rooted in things like respect and empathy Mm -hmm. and patience. I think those are huge to a relationship surviving or um, lasting even with people that have experienced trauma or traumatic pasts, so yeah, I think it's, it has to be a mix of absolute individual work and growth, coupled with you know the empathy, the patience, and the kindness towards the partner they're involved in.
0: I would imagine also um, you may not have all the resources and as an individual, a couple to go through this. Go find a counselor. Um, find somebody who can walk you through some of these steps Mm -hmm. and be able to point you in the right direction and maybe help you identify some of these traumatic experiences that have been normalized in your life and that could be your journey or maybe that's what your relationship needs sometimes you could just look at your family tree look at some of the things that were happening in your family tree the breakups and how your mom your dad treated each other how your uncles were And what you see in your family, that could be indicative on how you are actually showing up in relationships To say, hey, are you healthy showing up or unhealthily showing up? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And I got to say, as a caveat to that, too, sometimes the relationship itself, if a person partners with someone that is healthy for them, that can be restorative and healing to a, um, a traumatic experience. Right. Because that experience where someone has themselves healthy boundaries, someone has the empathy and kindness and are self-reflective and are open and all these things can help a person, again, not only bond, but learn from that experience and unlearn Mm. all the things they've they've seen in the past. And even though it does, like I said, most times people experience distrust or like um, hesitation to be with someone that shows or embodies something so different. But if they are able to get past that distrust or that um, that weariness, they can actually really benefit from being with someone that em- embodies healthy processing, healthy boundaries, all of these kind of things.
0: Yeah, that's because uh, the nervous system is an interesting thing. Uh, if you notice uh, little kids when they're crying and they go to their mom or their dad, if the dad is calm and collected, what's wrong? what's wrong, baby? What's going on? The child actually gets to, they they calm down too. And I think relationships mimic that too, whereby if somebody is grounded and calm, it allows the other person to be grounded and calm and to develop that secureness in their own personality and how they show up in relationship. And there's also a a warning as well with that. There is um, uh, something called trauma that's transferred or vicarious trauma mm-hmm. whereby the person who is secure and healthy if it happens over and over and over they may start to experience that trauma and the burnout so as a couple I think you need to be a, pay attention to that mm-hmm. get help get mm-hmm. help get help get help individually as a couple as well
1: Absolutely. And I like what you said there. That is huge in the sense of um, regulating nervous systems. One of the biggest ways to regulate a person's nervous system is to be a mirror or a mimic of that, of a a grounded nervous system, like you're saying. And so that goes exactly into that part of how a healthy person or healthy partner can help a person who's experienced trauma in that, yeah, that regulated system, they'll be able to connect with that. Um, And then again, like you were saying about... The idea of um, vicarious trauma is really true. Um, And if a person is really dysregulated, I'd always encourage their partner to to set boundaries on how much they can handle with a partner Mm. that's super dysregulated. Because you do not want to always... Yes, exactly. And not have to hold down or have to be the person who's always grounded in that situation. And it becomes, that anxiety transfers.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. For somebody who was listening out there, a hug could do wonders when somebody's going through that difficulty, just a hug, just being present with them. And sometimes we tend to want to say the right things and we end up saying the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Just be present, give them a hug, just hold them close, uh, just yes. to let them feel secure. And ultimately we're all little kids. We want to have security just to know that, I am I safe? Am I secure? Mm-hmm. And a hug mm-hmm. could, could go a long way.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Um, within the hug and the idea of like patience is being able to ask rather than assume because because of other people's traumas, responses or past experiences, they like to assume that they know what's going on for their partner or what's happening or even because maybe the partner did this a year ago. Google
0: their symptoms. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right? But instead ask, ask how they're feeling in this moment. Ask what is coming up for them and give them space to talk and reflect and just listen. Being heard is huge. Being heard absolutely helps with bonding as well. And so I think a lot of people, they want to be seen and they want to be heard by their partner.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sheila, I know we can go in and talk about this this, this, this trauma, 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 and how it shows up in relationship and how to heal. We can go on and on about this. Uh, I know you're doing some stuff uh, as a registered provisional psychologist, Where can people find you and connect with you? What's out there? What are you up to?
1: Yeah, well, right now I'm providing counseling services at at two locations here in Edmonton, and area. So I work at Cornerstone Counseling Center and also at Rivers Edge Edge Counseling Center in St. Albert. And so Googling both of those um, services, those uh, centers, you can find my bio and information and also my contact for my email and extension number. there's ever any questions or any information anyone wants to know
0: well folks there it is another episode of relationship factor thank you for following liking and sharing this and don't forget to drop a a review give us a five-star review if you like this episode it's a wrap thank you so much sheila
1: welcome it was a pleasure being here thank you
0: bye-bye